Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. Today, we're going to run through a few bits of Austin FC news. We're also going to have a really great interview with Meredith Miklas, who is the co-founder of a group called The Plastics, which is a uh, general MLS supporters group doing a lot of work to promote uh, to promote support and advocate using their words for uh, women, trans, non-binary and queer identifying fans of MLS. So it's a really cool interview and a really cool mission that they're doing to just make soccer, soccer supporter culture a more open and inclusive environment. So I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to hear that. My name is Landon Cottom. I am joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Jeremiah, how's it going? Hey, Landon, it's going great. It's it's good to see you. It's good to see a slightly different background. Uh, usually see your back bedroom, but you're out of town. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at my first vacation in uh, in many many moons. So I'm in Wimberley, Texas, out on the river, and there's there's deer everywhere, like literally everywhere. And it's kind of weird, but I like it. Yeah, and one of the things you're doing is uh, binge watching a new soccer show on. I don't even know what network it's on, but why, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so the the Ted Lasso show, which is, uh, if those of you who most of you probably know about this, but it was like um an like a series of of commercials for NBC's Premier League coverage, I believe, where Jason Sudeikis played uh, an American football coach who was randomly put in charge of a premier league team and they ended up making an entire series about it. And I was very, very skeptical of it, but, um, we started watching it today and I actually got my wife to watch it with me and she, she I think she enjoyed it too, but I, I think it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I remember the thing that I remember from the original, um, promos that both well, it's like made me like angry and also was really on the nose when it talked about, it talked about Liverpool and the Dallas Cowboys being like a huge name, but living on past glory and having no, and having like no current <laughs> success from those. And so maybe that's why I haven't watched it yet. Cause like as a fan of Liverpool and the Cowboys, it kind of hurt me a little bit that they were so right about, about that. I've made it through four or five episodes and there's no Liverpool trash talk yet. Um, but it's like, I, um, my wife pointed this out and it's extremely true, but it's like, I think people who are making TV right now know that people can't handle like anything that's not positive. <laughs> and so it's like kind of a, a celebration of, of, um, of American enthusiasm. And so, <laughs> and so like, he's just like this very lovable and enthusiastic football coach who's like trying to, trying to give these kids a better life, make them the best version of themselves. And it's, it's, it's really, really good. And they like, it's like, it is outlandish. Like the, the reason why he goes there. And then like the fact that he's never, he doesn't know anything about soccer and is coaching a team. It's silly, but like, it's, it's a really fun show to watch. And there's still like enough soccer humor in there that like the cultural part of the soccer humor that I think soccer fans and non-soccer fans could watch it and really, really like it. So highly recommended. (laughs) That's a that's a really good start. I like that. Uh, in in our house, we're watching the Umbrella Academy um, on Netflix, which is a superhero show, and it's the first show that our boys have binge watched, which is a hard thing to do with an eleven and nine year old because they just want to. <laughs> they're even worse than us, right? They just want to watch TV. They just like they can't stop. They're just like yeah, the next one, the next one, the next one. I'm like, okay, at some <laughs> point, you guys have to sleep. <laughs> All right, let's jump into some Austin FC news. Um, so I think probably. There's a couple of big pieces of news, but one of them is uh, last episode we talked about the signing of Cecilio Dominguez. Um, we were waiting on the the announcement of who he would go on loan to, and it was announced this last week that he will be playing at Club uh, Club Guarani, which is uh, it's in Paraguay, and it's the same club where Rodney Redis is playing. And so there's a, a quote from Reina in the press release saying that um, having him in Rodney. Com- Competing for the same club ahead of their move to Austin, Austin in 2021 is excellent. There are many benefits to this loan agreement, but obviously it means Cecilio and Rodney will be able to start learning each other's games as well as maintaining match fitness before joining Austin FC in, in January 21. So it's a, it's a lower level than what Dominguez has been playing in, having gone to Club America for a few years and then to uh, playing in Argentina for a couple of years. 
And so it, it is a step down for him, but it's it's getting him match fit because he hasn't played in a while uh, because of the pandemic and and all of that. So it, it'll get him match fit. It's going to allow uh, him and Rodney to develop an on-field rapport, which I think is is a really great opportunity for them. Um and so, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. And also, t- the fact that if if you can find one of these games somewhere, you can watch both of them at once instead of having to track down like too. two illegal streams or whatever of two South American teams. But um, he's so I think Guarani has a few more games left in the Apertura portion of of the season. Um, Dominguez will not be available for those those matches they do start Copa Libertadores in uh, I think it's later yeah September 17th against uh, Tigre which is an Argentinian team um, he'll also play in the Clausura portion of the Paraguayan season that starts on October 16th and so he'll play then through the rest of of 2020 so he'll he'll get a, a fair amount of games in uh, with Rodney so I'm, I'm excited to watch that yeah and the Copa I mean there's some chance that will like have a non-illegal stream of him to watch at some point, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I would, ever, you know, I don't know what, what network is bringing that to us, but I think there's probably a chance that we'll be able to maybe get together and watch a match like in, in, in public at some point. Yeah. It sounds like a job for ESPN plus or somebody, but um, yeah, it'll definitely be much more available than the Paraguayan first division. Um, <laughs> and have you seen the, um, or did you see the, the club posted the big, uh, What's the what's the was it Sessi goal the big uh like on the post that they they put all oh, over Austin, Austin FC yeah yeah they like did that like glue like pasted graffiti stuff downtown yeah I thought that was cool yeah that was really cool too um and so they're making a lot of waves um in the community they also did a um what was the uh, support support your record store or whatever day like I saw some stuff around that although I think Waterloo may be the only record store left in Austin I'm not sure ones <laughs> are. End of, an, end of an year on the south side. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then they also uh, finally, they sold a bunch of tickets, which we knew they had a bunch of deposits, but they finally announced the ticket sellout. Yeah, that was the the other big news that, that we wanted to hit on. So, yeah, ticket update, sold out. They're gone. Um, last, last episode, we knew that they were close. It was all of the general seats had sold out, and we knew that there was a number of, of supporters section seats still available. We didn't know how many, but apparently wasn't that many because they're gone now. Um, so Jeremiah, that means that if you don't have a ticket right now, then you're never, ever going to get to see Austin FC play, right? Yeah. That's what I hear. That's exactly how they sold it. No, they sold, (laughs) no false, false. What? 15, 500, uh, seats that it's about three quarters of the stand. So at least about uh, 5,000 or so for single game, um, tickets, which makes a ton of sense, especially with a new team to, to right. save, save tickets aside for people to be able to really have that experience and hopefully, um, become season, season ticket holders in the future. Yeah. And so they also announced benefits of people who are on the wait list. So that's people who have made a deposit, but didn't get the opportunity to buy tickets. Uh, those benefits are going to be access to single match tickets for regular season games before the general public. So you, you'll you get the opportunity to buy one of those 5,000 seats before just any, any random person on the street would be able to. Um, you'll get 24-hour exclusive window to buy tickets released the week leading up to a, a game. So in like sporting events, there will always be like a, a, a certain number of tickets who were either turned back, like refunded or they were holding back for some corporate thing or giveaways and ended up making them available. Uh, so if you're on the wait list, you'll have a 24 hour window to buy those tickets before the general public does. You also get pre-sale access to uh, certain third party events, at the stadium, most likely like concerts. There's going to be several concerts at the stadium. So you might get first dibs on several concerts. So if you have a deposit and weren't able to buy a ticket, you're still going to get some perks out of it. Um, and then also next season or the season after that, if a seat comes available, you'll also keep your spot in line to buy one of those seats. And so if you have, if you paid a $50 deposit and you can manage to, to leave that $50 with Austin FC for the next year, leave it with them because there's still a, a decent chance you'll get something out of this deal going forward. So, so don't be, don't be discouraged. Yeah, I, I think that group's really good for it. It's something I've talked to James Ruth about um, in person a couple times that they're, 
really trying to build is, you know, I mean, so they're, they're like, this is a new team. There's a lot of excitement. They're the only professional, like first division, first professional sports franchise in the city. So um, like they expected to have a lot of excitement on the initial season, but what they're really trying to do is like build for the future. And what does five years or 10 years or 20 years look like? And how do they keep engaging these people that are not, you know, that didn't get on the list quick enough to get seats now, but like they want to build this, culture across the city for supporting and so it's good to see them provide benefits to those to those folks because they're the season ticket holders of the future too right yeah and rotating as many people into that stadium and, and getting a taste of that environment is, is going to be your best marketing tool so yeah that, that i think holding those tickets back and giving those benefits is a really really good idea um let's jump into some of the bigger mls news so on august 27th Following the shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, uh, it it this started with NBA teams um, essentially refusing to play on those days as as kind of a a, a a manner of protest, and then shortly thereafter, MLS clubs followed suit. Um, there was some some really really moving things coming out of that. I would recommend listening to the extra time podcast that came out that week where they interviewed a lot of the players who were involved in, in kind of making those decisions and, and what went into that. And I, I, yeah, again, I would highly recommend going back and listening to that episode of that show. Cause it was really great and got, got a real picture of, of what it looked like and what it meant to these guys to, to make that, that decision. Um, following the following day, real salt lakes owner, Deloy Hansen made some some statements about it that um, <laughs> that were not great, uh, and then ended up trying to backtrack on those statements and apol- I want to say apologize for them to try to like say them in a different way and kind of just dug himself an even deeper hole. But that led to a lot of other stories coming up out about him from players from Real Salt Lake staff. Uh, most notably, I believe his name is Andy Williams, who is the head scout for the team, uh, who is also a black man, um, coming out and and sharing some personal experiences that he saw where just really, really, really blatant racism. And then later we heard some some more stories about sexism and, and all kinds of things coming out of out of uh Salt Lake City about the the leadership of, of Real Salt Lake within, what was it like 24 hours of this story breaking, maybe 48 hours, um, MLS announced that he would be selling the team, which I, what, were you surprised that it happened so quickly, Jeremiah? I mean, well, well, one, I mean, for, his apology was very much a, like, I'm sorry, I've offended you for the things I've said, but also yeah, like, I still believe them. Like it was, the, it was the most non-apology apology, but, I appreciate the speed that the that the league moved at. Like I thought the wording wasn't and I don't remember it exactly off the top of my head, but the wording wasn't that great, right? I think it was 24 hours after he had like taken a leave of absence, which is a like what do you need to take a leave of absence from? Like being like gonna take a leave from being criticized about being a terrible person. <laughs> right. And then his wife went on like some local sports station and tried to defend him and just made it worse too, right? So I think that was the first thing, and that was kind of iffy, but then I think the second day out, you know, when they talked about the sell of that, and I think he also owns the, what he owns, the MLS team, uh, the, the WSL team, yeah. and the USL team, Real yeah. Monarchs. Yeah, and, so, uh, yeah, and all three, right? And he's going to have to divest themselves of all of all three clubs, I believe. Correct. Yeah, that's right. So there's um, a lot of a lot of different stories. I mean, um, Josie Altador expressed interest in buying yeah. the club, and he said he has a group, and it's it's been. Checked on by by journalists, I think Sam Stage, Sam Stage School confirmed that the group that Josie Altador is a part of has the money to do it, and so it, I think the most likely scenario is the I think the owner of um, of the Jazz, I think his name is Miller. I think he's actually being given, or someone from that organization is being given, kind of like caretaker, um, get kind of given the reins as in like a a temporary manner. And so it kind of seems like maybe they're going to be the ones to, to end up buying it, but it'll be interesting to see if they buy 
all three of the teams or if they get split up and all the, the nice facilities that they have in, in Salt Lake city. But, um, I, there like, we'll, we'll post some notes in the, in the, some links in the show notes about other places you can read and, and listen more about this story. Cause there's a lot to dive into, but, um, I think tying this back into, into Austin. So there, during the, the beginning of the black lives matter protests earlier this year, and then the event that we we plugged on the at the end of the last episode, the Pride in the ATX, I think Austin FC is willing to be vocal about these issues. Um, it's it's something that I mean, I, I think Austin FC is also lucky in that speaking up about these issues is also probably good business in Austin. And so um, but also it it's it's good that they've that they have been vocal. Um, we're going to talk about this more in our interview with, with Meredith Miklas of the plastics here in a second. And you'll, you'll hear this in a bit, but she talks about fans holding clubs accountable. And this is a thing that, that we, we need to do here in Austin. And so even though they've, I feel like the front office is doing a good job in, in supporting these things and being vocal about these things, it's our jobs as, as fans to keep pressure on them and make sure that they know this is, this is what we expect. And so you need to, to keep it up and even do more going forward. Yeah. And I think the thing about that event and you were on it, right? I was on it. Um, yeah. The Pride, Pride and the ATX, ATX event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, so that's like a good thing to do once. And even that event, um, you know, coming out of that with some expectations, they would continue that. Like, that's not a, what, like we're not just going to have this conversation and then walk on, but it's got to be an ongoing thing. I think it's important. And I got that from too. And I had a really good, um, I got a text from a friend of mine um, who's like, um, he's not a sports fan at all, but he, he, but he was on that call and he's like, I don't know anything about soccer. Like I'm like, I'm willing to go like and learn, but he's like, I love Austin and I love everything they stand for. And so I want to be an Austin FC fan. Like, and I want to engage in the community and I want to join a supporters group and like, that's the perfect outcome out of that. Cause I know that's a group they want to appeal to, but to your point, like it's also got to be like, it's, it's so easy to fall back on like standard habits and behavior. And it's going to be really important. That they just keep pushing the envelope on those things. But, you know, I feel like they really hit it really well, like with that original event. Yeah, I completely agree. So um, let's, let's actually jump into that interview now um, with Meredith Miklas. Again, I think you guys are really going to like this. A lot of, a lot of really good points made and also just what the plastics are doing in, in American soccer culture is a really cool thing. So we hope you guys enjoy this interview. We wanted to take a minute to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. You should also visit CapitalCitySoccer.com where Troy Bryant and Zach Mason bring you the latest Austin FC news, including player rumors, sponsorship updates, and more. Uh, We'd like to highlight a recent article from Troy on season and single game tickets as well as the possibility of stadium expansion. Once again, that's at CapitalCitySoccer.com. Today's guest is Meredith Miklas, the co-founder of The Plastics SG. So, Meredith, thanks so much for joining us, first of all. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So, will you just give us a brief overview of what The Plastics is? Like, what is this group that you created? Totally. So, um, The Plastics Supporters Group is, you know, sort of a collective of sorts of um, women and LGBTQ soccer supporters um, all throughout uh, well, we started in MLS, you know, now we're USL, uh, NWSL, and pretty much if there's a soccer league, we have members in it. Um, but we basically, you know, started to kind of like advocate for, um, you know, women, trans and non-binary supporters and marginalized supporters of that sort who, you know, felt either alienated or like they had a target on their back by, you know, the soccer community as a whole. Yeah, and I, I think... This is probably, this is true for, like you said, soccer community as a whole. And honestly, like American sports culture as a whole, when it comes to like the stands and the masses and stuff, you know, I know MLS in particular has been talked about um, as having like a negative reputation when it comes to women in groups, like in the supporter section, you know, um, particularly. So can you talk a little bit about 
um, like that, maybe your own experience, you know, with that and, and those of your, the other folks who've helped you found that group and sort of how that led to the, to the foundation of the plastics. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess I should start with like my origin story. Um, I was very, very lucky to be involved, um, with Chicago Gooners, the Arsenal supporters group for, uh, Chicago. And my close friend, Dilly Yang, is the president of that group. And, you know, while it has issues like any other soccer supporters group does, um, you know, it it really was kind of like a paradise, at least when it came to, you know, being a woman and being queer. And, you know, I'm also a sex worker, too. So I have those three things going for me that kind of make it um, difficult to exist in certain spaces. And I had a really overwhelmingly positive experience with um, soccer supporterdom before I started getting more into the fire because everyone's like, hey, support your local. Like you can wake up at, you know, five in the morning for Arsenal and to watch on a TV at a bar. But like, why don't you ever go to fire games or Red Stars games or, you know, Edgewater Castle games? So... I got into MLS and, you know, I, I have some very close friends and those are the people that have kind of always had my back, but, um, it was very cold and unwelcoming and, um, especially the community in Chicago, um, you know, women are kind of viewed as like, Oh, you're this person's girlfriend. You're this person's wife. Um, I only know of like less than 10 queer supporters because it's also unsafe to be, you know, out as a queer person. Um, in the fire community. Uh, I was joking with some friends that I'm watching the fire game with right now that, you know, we're the most toxic soccer fan base on earth. So it actually, um, you know, I, I'm kind of treated like a dumb bimbo um, by both men and women alike in the community. And that was always kind of like the vibe I got. Um, nothing explicitly bad had ever happened to me until actually after starting the plastics. Um, a bunch of throwaway accounts were made and harassed me for a few days all about the nature of my job and, you know, the type of person I am. Um, so that was really fun and wonderful for my mental health. And, you know, also having to consult a lawyer to talk about cyberbullying and harassment stuff and where I could go from there. Um, but honestly, I mean, not to ramble on too much, but, you know, the culture in Chicago is like the epitome of toxic masculinity. Um, you know, if you're not a hot girl who keeps her mouth shut, they don't want you. And they used to think that I was, you know, a hot girl until I started opening my mouth. Now they all hate me. Um, and then if you're not a hot girl or you don't, you know, you don't represent the way they think women should, should support soccer or, you know, if you're older, if you're a mother, basically if you're not, you know, an object of desire, you're tossed aside whenever you, you know, talk about like, hey, there's some serious issues with like sexism and racism in our community that we need to unpack. You know, it's very much like, oh, you're being dramatic. You're making everyone look bad. And um, that's a very similar experience that our mod, uh, Valeria um, of the Plastics, um, has felt in LAFC. Um, and our co-founder, Catherine, you know, she's also identified you know, with that sort of feeling, because she lived in Chicago, of just, like, not being welcome unless you're the hot girl who shuts up. Um, and then our our two newest mods, um, Mariah, who's a fellow Chicago Fire supporter who has been in the trenches with me, and then uh, Nicole, who is a uh, New York Red Bulls supporter, who found the plastics and was like, oh, my God, a group that's, you know, celebrating women and queer people supporting soccer, however they damn please. So we all, you know, as the plastics kind of came from the same place, even though, you know, a lot of us are in different cities and support different teams. It's that shared experience of misogyny and toxic masculinity. And so how do, so how do you find each other? I mean, I'm assuming like you have this experience, right? And it's, and I'm, I'm sure you, you would like to find like other people who have a similar thing so you can, you know, come together for like the greater good. But how did you... How did you find the rest of the plastics other than just, you know, tweeting a bunch or, or whatever you do? So we started and within like a day, we had like almost a thousand followers. Like it was utter, like there was very much a need for this type of group, group in MLS, you know, where we started out. And you could tell that by people's, um, people's reactions to it. So I made a joke about how, um, I made a joke before a fire match about how I was going to start a supporters group called the plastics. And the only qualifier for um, joining is that you have to take, you know, at least 45 minutes to get ready and do your makeup and look cute. And it was just a total joke. And I had been kind of throwing around the idea of having um, 
you know, a queer soccer supporters group for the fire. Um, because we've existed for, I think about 25 years now and we don't have a queer supporters group. Um, and I recognize there was a problem with that, um, because there's problems with that in our community. So, um, to get back on track, uh, I made this joke and Catherine was like, Hey, like the name, the plastics is really good. Um, and Catherine is my, is one of my long-term, uh, long-time friends. Uh, she lived in Chicago for about five years. Um, she recently moved to Utah. It was a huge loss for the city of Chicago. I miss her. Uh, she is my favorite Tottenham supporter and friend of me. Um, but she was just like, let's do this and just make it like, you know, a group for MLS and a group for women and queer people to feel safe. And I was like, I don't know, Catherine, I'm really tired. Um, because I was on the ISA board, uh, Section 8 Chicago, last year as a marketing director. And that was hell on earth. Um, so I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of tired of, like, soccer supporting them and organizing. Like, I don't know if I'm up for this. And she's like, well, I can't think of another person to do it with. Like, please. And I was just like, okay. So um, we just made all the social media profiles. Like, I threw together a logo. And then uh, Valeria, our LAFC mod, found us almost immediately and was like, I'm all about this. How can I help? And then um, one of our original mods, Ash from um, Minnesota, uh, they're a Minnesota United supporter. They were like, hey, I'm all about this too. Do you guys need like better graphics and logos? So they got on board. Um, and then in terms of how we met, um, so yeah, it really was just Twitter. And then I've known Mariah for the past three years in the Chicago Fire community. And then um, we met Nicole a few months ago. Um, just via soccer Twitter and her discovering the plastics and being involved in our community. Um, she's also a newer soccer supporter too. So I kind of like what Nicole brings to that table because it, it's a similar reason why I love the Austin FC supporters group, like Los Verdes, um, because it's like this like fresh blood and fresh energy. And there's not all this like bitterness and history. Cause it's like too many people, especially in Chicago, like cling on to that, that negativity and that bitterness. And like, I try to like remove myself from that and just create an overwhelmingly positive, obnoxious space where people feel welcome. So it's, it's kind of like, I do appreciate that, like, you know, freshness and also like newer supporters don't often get taken seriously. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. I want that to be rewarded. I want energy and passion to be rewarded. So Nicole's an awesome mod. That was a tangent. (laughs) I I felt like you, you mentioned the, like the newer, the, the newness of, of supporter culture in Austin. And I feel like that gives us freedom to kind of decide what our culture is going to be. Whereas in Chicago with like some of the original supporters groups of MLS were in Chicago. Right. So it's, it's a little more difficult to kind of change that culture in a place like that. And, you know, people are set in their ways and they don't want to change, especially when the culture benefits them, you know, and I'm definitely looking at, you know, men here who benefit from the culture that, um, you know, Chicago fire supporters have perpetuated for the past two decades. You know, why would you want to change something if it's comfortable for you, you know, but it's, it's not about comfort. It's about making yourself uncomfortable to make things better for, you know, the people that may come after you, whether that's two months or, you know, 20 years. Yeah. And you, you guys talk a lot about on your social media accounts, talk a lot about gatekeeping as well. And I think that's, yeah, it's, it's like the, the sense that, that they've earned their place there, which I mean, in some ways, like in, in certain ways you can, there's some respect to be giving for supporting a club for a lot of time, but it doesn't give you the right to tell other people they're not allowed to support that thing. And so, um, what is, what is kind of the, the, how does that fit into kind of the mission of the plastics? So gatekeeping is something most women and queer supporters have encountered, whether it's, you know, kind of like this attitude of like, Oh, well, unless you can name, you know, our U.S. Open Cup winning lineup from 1999. You're not a real supporter. And, um, you know, and there's like lots of little microaggressions like that. Um, you know, that, explain, explain the offside rule, right? Yeah, no, the offside rule <laughs> is a big thing. Like, oh, you know, if they're your club, then name XYZ. So, and, you know, there's just a lot of stuff where I don't think that every man who's asked me those questions is like, you know, some horrible misogynist, but it's a lot of like, you know, just learned microaggressions where it's like, oh, who's this girl? Better quiz her on everything. Um, 
And, you know, it's like, it's, it's okay to not know everything, you know, Part of the plastics mission is definitely like, we don't care if you just started supporting your team yesterday or 30 years ago. Like you can sit with us. You're welcome. I actually do not know a lot about the technical aspect of soccer. Um, I, you know, played soccer for maybe like a year or two when I was a kid. I disavowed sports for most of my life. Um, And then other than hockey, it's like I've been sporting soccer for five years. You know, I know what the offside rule is, but I don't really know that much. And um, even when you do know a lot, it's like you're still attacked and questioned and picked on, you know, by men and also other women. So it's just sort of like it doesn't matter how much you know or if you can discuss and live tweet every play from a soccer game. Like there's a million people doing that, you know, like live. Like I'm like, you know, before this interview, I'm on Chicago Fire Twitter and everyone's just playing like you know, live tweeting sports journalists. It's like, cool. I don't have to have the hottest take on Twitter about what my club is doing in order to, you know, get things done and, and support my teams as much as I can. So I just, I think like gatekeeping needs to go away. People need to stop asking those questions. Like, you know, and I do get, I do get asked like, well, how are you supposed to talk to women who support soccer? And it's like, well, just examine you know, would you be asking a man who looks like you the same thing that you're planning on asking like this woman or this queer supporter or this supporter of color? Like just phrase it like that. And then like ask yourself yeah. like why it matters. Cause when I meet another woman or queer person who loves the same teams I do, it's like a celebration. It's like, you know, like how girls act when they're drunk in a bathroom, just like gassing each other up <laughs> and like giving compliments. So it's just sort of like, you know, I don't like meet a new Arsenal supporter, like, how long have you been supporting Arsenal? Because, like, I don't care. Like, like I said, it could be, you could literally decide to be an Arsenal supporter yesterday and, like, I would still be cool with you. So. Yeah, I, I think that's, like, doubly true in MLS where, like, we need more fans to come in to this league, right? So, like, if you meet someone who wants to get into this, like, yeah, come, like, join the club, right? Like, bring them in. And it's, it's, very counterproductive to try to like make these people prove themselves it's like just like join the club and if if you want to learn about like i i am really into like tactics and stuff like that i like that stuff but i understand that everybody like not everybody is like there's other reasons to watch and enjoy soccer or to go to soccer games and enjoy soccer games and so i'm not going to judge anyone for not being into the same parts of it that i am and so, like, if anybody wants to be a part of it, then, yeah, let's join the club. And, like, yeah, I, I, I get I understand the mentality of of like I've been here longer and I've earned it. But it's it's yeah, it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not healthy. And I mean, also, too, um, I've seen, you know, Austin FC supporters get roasted on Twitter, you know, by a particular set of <laughs> supporters. <laughs> Whoever. <laughs> <laughs> But like, that's, that's one of those things where it's like, I see that. And like, that's a form of gatekeeping too. be like, Oh, new kid on the block, Austin FC. <laughs> like you guys are plastics. Like you just got a club. And I'm just like, I hate that. I hate that mentality. So I think that's another reason I, I like do have a special place in my heart for like Austin FC and especially like Los Verdes. It's like, I, I just like, I identify with that sort of like, not like new kid on the block mentality, but just like dealing with unnecessary like bullying and BS and pettiness just because like MLS decided to give Austin, you know, a team. And I know it's deeper than that. And for a lot of people, so I'm, I'm not going to get myself into trouble and dig a hole here, but you know, it's just like, it's exciting that Austin is getting a team. Austin was able to get a team without another team folding or being relocated. All of this is awesome. We should celebrate each other. Yeah. And like there there are valid reasons for people to be upset about how Austin got a team, but like 99.9% of the fans had zero to do with any of that. Like we, we were the beneficiaries of a thing that happened. Exactly. And so like, yeah, I, I, I understand that people are upset, but it's, yeah, it, I, I, like attacking fans for that reason, like fans who are excited about the same thing that you're into. Go after the billionaires and the millionaires and like the capitalists who are, you know, messing around with teams and toying with fans emotions. It's not the other fans fault. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, you hit on the fact, like, and both of you talked about this, but I mean, we're all into the growth of this sport and we should all be into the growth of this league. And, I, you know, speaking on behalf of myself and, and like Meredith, you talked about being, a, you know, an Arsenal fan up front, right? Like, I'm a huge Liverpool fan and I've always been a huge Liverpool fan. And like, I mean, always, like the last 15 years, like, and I'm just learning MLS and I only am learning MLS because like Austin has a, you know, Austin has a team that's coming to town and I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't be that into it, you know, otherwise. And I just, I, I just don't really understand why people wouldn't celebrate that. Right. And, and welcome other people to, to have that experience and to grow. Cause like we, we should all be, and we, we, t- we inter- landed interviewed Alexi Lawless like once and, you know, for all his faults, like the guy loves the league and loves the growth of the league. And like, why would we not all be like that? Like, why, why are we not all like, how do we all get together and like make MLS like a big thing, like in culture, you know, all the way around. And I've, I've never really understood that, which is not a question, but that's kind of my position, yeah. <laughs> position on it. No, it's, it's definitely weird. Cause I mean, kind of like you guys had touched on, like, it's like, you know, you have teams like, you know, Chicago fire and, you know, Columbus crew and like just the original teams. And like, now you have all the newer teams. So it is this almost like kind of like turf war, of the league of like, oh, well, you know, we've had a team for over 20 years, like, you know, FU, Atlanta United and LAFC. Guess what? LAFC supporters and Atlanta United supporters, some of my friends that I've met, you know, on Twitter, like I, because we're in the middle of a pandemic and I can't go see them or go to away games. Um, Some of the best people I know in soccer are Atlanta United and LAFC supporters. So it's, it's just like, do you want to grow the game or do you want to keep like complaining about that? It's like, Oh, it's, you know, no one cares about MLS. You know, the attendance is so bad. It's a joke of a league. Like, you know, but it's our joke though. And what if we want to let people in on our joke? (laughs) (laughs) I do. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the league a little bit. Um, And it's, this is something we have no experience in because as we've mentioned, we don't have a team and we have not had matches, but I mean, what role do you see, what role do you see like the league, you know, and then clubs play in like policing this sort of negative culture that's, that's been around and, and like helping create positive environments? I think their hands are kind of tied, honestly. And in the Chicago Fires case, a lot of the vitriol is still directed at the front office from fans. Um, I know that, uh, you know, we, we do have the MLS fan code of conduct. Um, I would say that the biggest issue um, in our communities across the league that women and queer supporters face is like definitely, um, you know, online bullying, online harassment, targeted harassment. Um, I know women other than myself who have dealt with that. And in the MLS fan code of conduct, um, you know, online behavior is basically supposed to be treated the same as, um, you know, behavior in the stands. So if it's like, you're harassing a woman and, you know, explicitly just her, you know, targeted harassment in the stands, you would be kicked out. So why does this stuff fly online? Um, But you do also have to have like proof and you have to show the receipts. So in my case with my own harassment, I had, you know, screenshots. I had, I was told who the person was that was behind it, at least one of the people. Um, But because I couldn't get my source to actually want to be not anonymous, like the fire couldn't do anything. And they were basically, you know, I emailed with the front office, you know, I informed them of everything. I showed them everything I had, you know, in terms of harassment. And they're like, unless we can actually get confirmation that it is this person and other people too, like we can't really do anything. But they were willing to, um, you know, like lay down the hammer, so to speak which um, made me, did make me feel safer in the sense that at least like my own club has my back, even if my community doesn't. Um, but honestly, a lot of the people that are perpetuating, you know, this harassment and these awful campaigns against women and queer supporters on Twitter and on other platforms, um, they hide behind anonymous accounts. They make throwaway accounts. So it's, it's really, really, really hard to track. Um, and then another big problem, um, one that's prevalent in LAFC is, you know, groping, you know, women, women getting grabbed and, you know, stuff like that. It's not just on the league to police. It comes down to other supporters, but I truly believe that it, you know, we just need to take this all more seriously, um, as supporters and also, you know, league officials and club officials too. Um, you know, 
if something like that happens in the stands, it's like there needs to immediately be like, you know, group shaming of, hey, like you touched this person without their consent. Like that is not okay. And then escort them, you know, to one of the representatives of the club who are always lingering in the supporter stands like they do. Um, I have, it's kind of a complex issue in Chicago because our security team is Monterey Security, who is one of the most infamously terrible security organizations in the country. So it's like one of those things where I'm all about street justice. Like I don't call the police, I don't call security. So I would just like to even go above security's heads and just make it a community effort to get the perpetuator out of the stands and then basically just like present them to the club. Like do something with this human. Um, because honestly, calling the sec- calling Monterey security on someone, even if they did just grope me or assault me, no. Like, it would honestly end way worse for them. And I'm not okay with that. I think things can be held, like dealt with in our communities. Um, and then once we deal with them in our communities, we can present that to our front offices and then kind of go from there on how to basically eradicate this behavior and these people from our communities. Did that make sense or was that like an all Yeah. No, that's great. Um you you mentioned talking to the front office about about the incident that happened to you. Do you feel like that's something that has improved over the last few years? Do you think that would have happened the same way 2 or 3 or 5 years ago? Um, I definitely I would say that it probably wouldn't have happened a few years ago. Um I Recently, in the past few months, I learned about a lot of really disgusting things that have happened in the Chicago fire supporter section. Um, And no one ever came forward about anything because they were too scared. They never went to the front office. You know, the front office actually reached out to me to be like, hey, do you know about this stuff? Because we didn't. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was the one who was originally told these based, told this by sources. And they were like, and I was basically like, do not kick yourselves for not being aware of something you literally were not aware of. No one ever went forward to the front office. Um, And it's not to say that I think we should be like all trusting and all believing in our front offices. Like we need to be skeptical and we need to hold them accountable like anyone else. But I think that they are trying to be better, especially when it comes to, you know, black supporters, women, LGBTQ community. And we just need to put pressure on them to like keep going forward and keep taking things more to the extreme when it comes to like handling these issues that um, arise. And I also think a lot of front offices and especially marketing teams have been very guilty of performative allyship over the past few months. So it really is up to us to like put the pressure on them to be like, hey, you know, your Black Lives Matter like corner in the stadium is like really cute. But like, what have you done for black supporters lately? And have you like been listening to what black supporters are telling you? Because like I have, and you guys are clearly not paying attention. So I think that like them, you know, basically advocating and helping us marginalized supporters, it's like, we just need to keep pressuring them. That's to to keep going in that direction, because it's something where if you take the pressure off for a second, um, I have a perfect example. Chicago Fire um, rolled out this whole marketing campaign called Stand for Chicago. Sounds great, right? Right? Stand for Chicago? Stand is an ableist term. It's, you know, not everyone can stand. It's literally that simple. Not everyone can stand. So I brought this with the help of um, Carrie Aldridge, the finance director for Section 8 Chicago. Um, We brought it to the front office's attention, and they were like, oh, God, we did not realize. We will change that immediately. So then they debuted Side with Chicago, which I think is so great, especially if you know Chicago, you know, we have our North side, we have our South side, we have our West side. It's such a Chicago, it's a brilliant marketing ploy in my mind. I'm like, that is perfect. So you guys had to fix this to make it non-ableist and you came up with something a million times better that's actually representative of the city instead of just forcing a marketing campaign down our throats. So they started like, you know, tweeting out their side of Chicago stuff. Well, guess what? <laughs> we got complacent and unbeknownst to us, the supporters, something happened and now they're back to stand with Chicago. And that definitely got brought up in a board meeting yesterday or Friday. <laughs> because it's we were just like, how did you switch to something way better and also like not ableist? And then when we weren't looking, it's like you switch it back, like no one noticed. So that's that's a perfect like example of just, you know, 
it gets exhausting, but you can't be complacent and you have to constantly be pressuring your front offices to do better and like to truly be better and not just like do better in the eye of the public. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things you talked about, which I think is really important is, you know, the best way to deal with it is to like have the supporters groups themselves deal with it. Right. And not have to, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's kind it's kind of weak to like go complain to dad or whatever. Right. You know, like, the group, the group should be able to take care of things on their own. So maybe, can you talk about groups that you think are doing like a really good job of creating the right environment and like what that approach looks like and like how we can model that in Austin? I mean, there's a lot of different supporters group across the league who like are representative of like the kind of stuff that, you know, the plastics are trying to build and other supporters are trying to build. Uh, my two favorite groups, because um, I'm completely biased, are Tigers Supporters Group and LAFC and Black Fires of Chicago. Um, and I know, I know that I can think of like a million more examples. But honestly, I think what I talked about earlier and just having that newness and that freshness and not like sticking to the old tropes or, oh, well, you know, if this works, you know, for some of us, then it'll work for all of us. Or, you know, why should I bother? I think it's about constantly learning, constantly educating yourself, um, learning how to shut up and like listen to other people. Um, and I think like a key point is, um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day and it's like, if you look around, you know, say I look around my life and everyone I'm friends with is like a tattooed white girl who looks just like me and has the same opinions as me and, you know, likes the same bands as me. Well, that sounds like a pretty comfortable existence, right? You know, you're just surrounded by people that have the exact same experience than you. Like, it's important to, like, diversi like diversify, you know, your life and your supporters group, but also not tokenize people, too. You know, so it's finding that balance of, like, I am, like, getting out of my comfort zone. I'm introducing myself to new people from all walks of life, whether it's, you know, race, gender, identity, you know, sexual orientation, class, any of that. You know, and just exposing yourself to different types of supporters. Um, I think that's where a lot of the older teams in MLS are stuck. It's, you know, we've been doing it this way forever. Um, and that's why, you know, they also get mad when they see, you know, Atlanta United and LAFC, um, you know, thrive. Because it's like, well, why can't we have that? Why didn't we have that? And it's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, because you didn't, and that's life, and your team started like 20 years ago, and I'm sorry, but like, you don't have to ruin the experience for other people. So You, you for, talk about like, opening up to like, different supporters and different types of people, like what better sport to do that in, right? Like, we, we talk about this a lot, Jeremiah and I, like the, the like the different people from different parts of town and different backgrounds and different professions, even like just all the different kinds of people I've met through Austin FC starting up has been really cool. And it's like really opened up my, my network of people within Austin. And then, like you said, like it, it's like changed my way of thinking about things. And so uh, I think it's like, it's, you're robbing yourself of that if you're not open to doing that type of thing within your, within your own community. Yeah, you're like the kid in the corner who's complaining that no one wants to play with you, but you're not trying <laughs> to like play ball with others, you know, it's, so I think that it's, it's different mm. for your supporters group. Um, you know, all the Austin fans I know have definitely done a good job of like building that openness. Um, Los Verdes are like, you know, once again, I'm totally biased here, but um, they were our first official, uh, you know, affiliate supporters group. And like, I was in every single Zoom call we did with them. And, you know, it's very much just like, being like, hey, like, what are your experiences? How do we learn from those experiences? How do we like build this like inclusive community before we even think, like play a game? And just that sort of devotion to the cause, you know, and, and once again, I know I keep being like, it's so fresh, but just that like new perspective of like, this is a new thing we're building. How do we build it right? So we don't have to like unpack and unlearn all of these things, you know, that others are perpetuating across the league. But so it is, I think it's easier for a sense, um, easier in a, in a way um, for newer supporters groups of newer teams to like sort of build that utopia and learn from others' mistakes. 
it is a lot harder for, you know, supporters groups that have existed for a long time to, you know, unlearn all of that and even want to examine themselves in the first place and be like, how can we be better? Because when you critique a supporters group, you know, and one that you're a part of, um, especially women and queer supporters um, and black supporters, as we've seen in Portland with Timber's Army, um, it's, it's just basically being like, you know, you're making our supporters group look bad. Like, why are you being negative? Why are you bringing that negativity to the table? So, and it's like, because I want things to change and be better and I don't want the next person who looks like me or does what I do to deal with any of this. And honestly, it just kind of like comes down to other supporters and I have less faith in, um, this is going to sound really pessimistic, but I have less faith in uh, MLS teams with, you know, more of a history of supporters than I do with new supporters, which that's kind of just where I'm shifting my personal energy though. You know, it's, I'm not going to get everyone in Chicago to like me. Uh, I'm not going to get them to stop hating me. I'm not going to get them to respect me. So I would rather put my energy elsewhere. Well, I, I think like, so you look at the, some of the newer teams are the ones who are, are kind of the flag bearers now on the field. And so I think there's a real chance, like a, an opportunity for these newer teams to kind of change the culture supporter wise as well. And so I, it's like, I think it's like a worthy cause to, to look into. Like if we can, if teams like Atlanta and LAFC and, and some of these other play, these other teams can like change what the game looks like on the field, then yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity for, if you said people in Chicago were saying like, why, why didn't this happen to us? Or why didn't this, like, why can't we be like that? Like newer, newer supporters, cultures that are popping up being more inclusive and being a certain way will put pressure on these other groups to kind of adapt to the times. It does put the pressure on because, you know, I can speak from experience talking to them does not get through to them. It's like, it really just has to be that peer pressure of like, Oh, you know, you want to, you want to roast all of these newer teams and all of their, you know, newer supporters. Well, like take a good look in the mirror because like, there is a lot to fix and all these people are besting you. And, you know, it can even be you like used as a ploy to be like, do you really want Austin FC supporters to best you in this? Like, do you really <laughs> want to be humiliated that way? Cause they're more inclusive and accepting and awesome. And like, you know, take it from me. I know this subject very well. Um, humiliation works <laughs> it is effective <laughs> tactic. Um, you know, when it comes to putting the pressure on. So I, I agree. And, you know, I also think that, you know, even aside from MLS, there's like such um, a gold mine in lower league soccer. And it's, it's just, there's so many awesome things happening. And these people clearly don't want to come to like, you know, the awesome party. <laughs> they just want to stand in their corner and, you know, complain about how they're in their corner when we're like, well, if you weren't a jerk, then you'd probably be here with us. Yeah, I think, I think it's where I am. Like, I'm like, let's just like create a thing people want to be a part of, which is like going to be big and open and include everyone. And whether you've followed soccer all your life or whether you just picked it up or whatever, like just come, come join this thing we're creating. I think that's like taking that positive approach is the best way to do it. That's one of the things that's one of the things I've liked sort of about what, what y'all have done and, and in what you built and how, you know, in the time we've worked together. Yeah. And that's kind of what the plastics are all about. And, you know, I'm happy that comes across to like, obviously the masses, um, cause you know, we wouldn't be where we are unless people saw themselves in us and vice versa. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's really fun. Um, you know, I definitely, I love to like, um, I run our Twitter with Catherine or Komad and I definitely like to have fun with it and, you know, be petty. And sometimes there will be dog pictures. Sometimes there will be like just blatant <laughs> thirstiness on the timeline, but I also like to utilize our platform, you know, to, to like less fun things, you know, um, I do a lot of like selfishly, um, you know, tweeting about like sex work and decriminalization. Um, obviously with the Deloitte stuff with RSL, like, hit Catherine very, very close to home, literally in her backyard. So I kind of was like this week, I'm like, Hey, there's important stuff happening, you know, in Salt Lake with your team. Like you take the reins on Twitter. You know, we 
provide resources to educate people on general strikes and, you know, labor movements. So it's, it's really fun to be petty and positive, but it's also like equally fun for me to educate the masses on things that they may not be familiar with too. Cause it just kind of erases all notion of gatekeeping. Be like, did you not know what a general strike was before today? Cool. Like here's a bunch of links and like a breakdown of what that means. You know, it's like nothing, nothing should ever be, you know, kept from people just because, Oh, well I knew about X, Y, Z before you did. Like we need to just erase that mentality, especially in soccer. Yeah. It's like, it's a good vehicle for it, right? Like if you mix like the, the fun parts with the serious parts, like you might catch someone off guard who wouldn't have gone to an account just about those serious things. Right. So it's, it's uh, yeah, an effective tactic for sure. So, um, you've already given, so you've already given like a few, a few pieces of advice for, for new fan cultures and specifically Austin. Are there any other pieces of advice that you would give for fans in Austin who, who might be listening to this and want to help create a a positive space for, for anyone who wants to be a part of it? Um, I mean, it, it just really comes down to that. Like your space is like a reflection of who you are. So to really examine what you want your space to look like. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, be wary of tokenization, like a suggestion I always make is that like, it's, it's in the similar vein, like different sport, but sports movie nonetheless, like if you build it, they will come. You know, if you, it, it can be as simple as people like seeing themselves and other people or feeling represented. Um, one thing Chicago Gooners does um, that myself and Dilly kind of like started is, um, you know, at the end of every match, we would take a group shot in our um, gangway by the Globe Pub. And then we're like, hey, let's actually like showcase women supporters only. So we do like, you know, a Gooner Gals group pick. And like that has brought so many new women supporters in because they're like, oh, here's a group that like celebrates and, you know, is run by women. So even just something like visibility, you know, and also like visibility so that like when you post that, you know, tweet, you post that picture on Instagram, people are like, oh, you know, this isn't just a group of like white boys who, you know, support this team. It's like people see themselves in the shot and they want to be a part of it and they want to like join the movement, Um, you know, but it also doesn't look like, you know, being like, hey, supporters of color, get to the front. We want to tokenize you. You know, there's a fine line, but if your intentions are good, you'll make it happen. Um, Another thing, and it seems really obvious, but once again, like I learned this all from being on the board of Chicago Gooners, Dilly and I would go around to like every woman you know at the pub and just say hi so it was as simple as you know dilly and myself just going up to like you know women we hadn't seen before at you know the pub to be like you know not ask gatekeeping questions like oh i haven't seen you here before how long have you been an arsenal supporter like i don't know you who are you but actually just be like hey haven't met you before like what's up you know i'm i'm dilly and this is meredith like we're on the board. We'd love to see more women around, you know? And it's like, you're not interrogating them because like every woman I know has awful stories about gatekeeping and such. And like, it seems so simple. And for me as someone with social anxiety, it's like hard to get out of my shell like that, but it was really worthwhile. And like, that's how you build community is like literally putting a face to a name and then also like making people feel noticed, appreciated and, you know, included. So just literally meeting people and introducing yourself, especially if you're in leadership of any supporters group, like that should be the default without option. Um, I've seen supporters groups. I mean, we've all seen it. We've all seen it because we're all on soccer Twitter. You know, they just get so clicky and it's like, well, I have my friends in this supporters group. I don't need to talk to anybody else. And like, that's not true. And that's how your, you know, supporters group becomes the kid in the corner that no one's talking to because you're just like building a fortress when you should be like opening your fortress. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really, I have a lot of faith in, in the leadership of, of Austin supporter culture right now to, to be able to build something that is inclusive. But like you said before, you have to, you can't, you can't stop putting pressure on, either leadership of supporters groups or 
the front office or whoever it may be. And so there, there's, we understand that there's a lot of, a lot of work to do, but um, yeah, thanks so much for, for talking about this. I know it's, it's really a really important topic to Jeremiah and myself and to a lot of people here in Austin. So it's really great to see someone uh, like a group, like the plastics kind of leading the charge in, in this area. So thanks so much for doing that. Absolutely. And, you know, we always say like our DMs and emails are open. So, you know, anyone listening who is in Austin or outside of Austin, it's like, if you have any questions on how to make, you know, your supporters group or your community, you know, more inclusive and, you know, safer for women and queer people, like you can always DM or email the plastics. You can always DM, you know, or email me. It doesn't have to be like in a, like a, an official affiliation thing. You, you know, I've, I've done tons of like zoom meetings with supporters from all over the country who are like, Hey, we just want to know how to make stuff better. And I will always take, you know, an hour or two out of my day to like meet with these people and just lay down, you know, a little bit of groundwork for them. So yeah. And so I will yeah. never shut up about it. So, so specifically, <laughs> where do we find you and the plastics to do that? Um, so you can find me, which you'll probably want to, um, on Twitter. Uh, my, uh, username is at the soccer Dom with an underscore. So D O M M E underscore. And then you can find the plastics, um, the plastics underscore S G. Um, and our website is sitwiththeplastics.com. So you can learn all about our mission. You can check out our sparkly new affiliate page I made for Los Verdes. Um, <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, with, <laughs> since, since, since I wrote the intro paragraph, you know, I think for Los Verdes, I particularly love it. But yeah, appreciate it. The intro paragraph <laughs> that I had to like make like literally zero edits too. So I love you for that too. <laughs> that was a uh, introduction. All right. Thanks so much, Meredith. This has been yeah, great. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you. We want to thank Meredith one more time for joining us. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as we did. Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks when we'll be hoping to talk a little bit about the Mexican national team and which of their players might be a good fit for Austin FC. So be sure to look out for that. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. (laughs)